Al Jazeera podcast. The United Nations General Assembly votes overwhelmingly for a ceasefire in Gaza. It came at precisely the same time as Israel was launching its fiercest attacks yet. With the vote showing Israel and the U.S. largely isolated over the war, can world public opinion make a difference? I'm James Bays, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's discuss more on all of this by our panel of guests. And in Ramallah, we have Hanan Ashwari, a Palestinian political leader and former member of the Palestinian Liberation Organization Executive Committee. She was also a member of the Palestinian delegation to the Middle East peace talks in the 1990s. In Johannesburg, Ronnie Kasriels, a former South African government minister and leading member of the African National Congress during the apartheid era. And in Islamabad, it's Malia Lodi, who served as Pakistan's ambassador to the United Kingdom, the United States and the United Nations. We have a most distinguished panel. Thank you very much for joining us on Inside Story. Ambassador Lodi, Maliha, can I ask you first about the General Assembly? Because you served as Pakistan's ambassador to the United Nations. There will be people here who say the General Assembly doesn't have any power, it doesn't do anything. Uh, you, during your time as the ambassador, you're actually one of the vice presidents of the General Assembly. So tell me why the General Assembly is important. I think the General Assembly is important because when there's a deadlock in the Security Council, as we saw, uh, when several resolutions didn't get through, uh, which were aimed at stopping uh, the bloodshed or at least getting a humanitarian pause, then uh, the General Assembly kicks in. Uh, it's uh, often called the parliament of the world, where every country has one vote. Uh, and that's uh, a body uh, that really does reflect global opinion. Uh, the Security Council, after all, is only made up of 15 members. Uh, but the General Assembly, with 193 members, uh, does demonstrate what the world is thinking. And I think what we saw in this uh, resolution and the vote for the resolution was where the world was standing. It was standing on the right side of history. Uh, it was conveying that it wants an end to the bloodshed, to the carnage, to the genocide that is going on. And it was a rebuke to those members of the Security Council who used the veto the United States <laughs> primarily, uh, to prevent any kind of a ceasefire or any kind of a pause in the fighting. So I think, okay, so the resolution is non-binding, but I think the force of public opinion and global opinion is extremely important. And the world has spoken, and it has spoken decisively against Israel, and it has spoken decisively in favor of peace. OK, Hanan Ashwari, if I can talk to you about the resolution itself. It took a lot of negotiation led by Jordan of the Arab group. Let me just read out what it called for. An immediate, durable and sustained humanitarian truce, but it also called uh, for humanitarian aid to come in. Immediate, continuous, sufficient and unhindered. And interestingly, it specified what should go in. Water, food, medical supplies, fuel and electricity. This would be, would it not, for the Palestinian people, wonderful if this was actually complied with. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's wonderful, but it would be beginning to undo the horrendous injustice and damage and violence that has been inflicted on the Palestinians of Gaza in terms of uh, ending Israel's genocidal siege and prevention of all normal requirements of an ordinary life, frankly speaking. 
So, uh, yes, it should have taken place. It shouldn't be even under question or doubt. And it's very tragic that the superpowers, particularly in the West, uh, give themselves the right to take decisions over the life and death of uh, two million uh, Palestinians. This is incredible. Ronnie, when we saw that vote, and it's done with electronic voting in the UN General Assembly, it was really a snapshot of international opinion and where each country stands. Every single ambassador or representative had to say where they stood on the war in Gaza. Were you surprised by the way the vote went? No, not at all, because we've seen over months and years what world opinion's about, and we've seen the enormous response to this gross criminality of Zionist Israel and the support the United States and others give it. So one was not surprised. I was very pleased to see that we had a two-third majority. Can you imagine if we hadn't had that? How happy, how pleased the sadists of Israel and their supporters would have been. This was a huge moral blow to those criminals, and it showed the Palestinian people, the people of Gaza, that they are not alone, that the world stands by them. Malia, let me just actually read out the list of the 14 countries that voted against this. Uh, there was Austria, Croatia, Czechia, Fiji, Guatemala, Hungary, Marshall Islands, Micronesia, Nehru, Papua New Guinea, Paraguay, Tonga, and then, of course, the US and Israel. What do you make of those lists? The, the fact that the US didn't even manage to get some of its very closest allies, like the UK and France, to vote with them? Well, I think it was very significant that countries like France, a per permanent member of the Security Council, broke ranks uh, with the United States. So did uh, several other European countries, like Spain, like Portugal, uh, and, and uh, others. So I think that just goes to show that the United States is increasingly isolated in the international community. Even the United Kingdom, uh, its loyal uh, ally, uh, abstained uh, in the vote. So I think this is a very strong message to Washington. The message is very clear. The world wants the bloodshed to stop. And President Biden, by encouraging uh, Israel, is really becoming complicit in what is going on. And I think that's how world opinion is going. Uh, it's not just in the General Assembly. You look at the streets, not just the Arab street. You look at streets across the world. One of the largest demonstrations has taken place in London. There have been large demonstrations in my country, Pakistan. So I think the message should be uh, responded to. And I think the United States should shift course now and take the side of peace and justice. Hanan, I'm going to read you the quote from the Israeli ambassador, and he made this quote in the General Assembly. I'd like to know your response. We know there is no humanitarian crisis in accordance with international humanitarian law. He said that in the General Assembly, despite what we all can see. Well, other than being an outright lie, it's really disingenuous in terms of trying to deceive the world once again, when everybody can see very plainly the, the horrific massacres, the, the genocidal policies, the bombing, shelling, destruction. It, it's just incredible that they say we know, so they assume that everybody will fall in step and say yes and clap. It, it's not the first time. 
listen, uh, James, this is a pattern among uh, within the UN and by Israel in particular. Israel has total disdain for the UN, and it has always described it as anti-Israeli or whatever, but it has never implemented a single UN resolution, not one. And most of the veto uh, vetoes exercised by the U.S. were done in order to save Israel from any kind of accountability or constraints. So let's let's be very frank. This kind of not just disrespect or, or disdain, even insult to the international community, is symptomatic of Israel acting outside the law, feeling that it can act with full impunity, that nobody will hold it to account, and on the, uh, the other side, that it can always lie, and uh, the, the lies become uh, gain a life of their own and become the basis of policy, as happened uh, lately with the U.S., and all these manufactured news and, and so on, to slander the Palestinians. So I think this kind of disdain is expected. But at the same time, what, what makes me very upset, and all Palestinians, is that there's no, there are no consequences. There is no price to be paid. Will the whole world, as Malia said, this is encouraging and so on, and the U.S., but will, will the whole world sit back and accept this? Why can't it enforce? There's no enforcement, no enforceability. It's decisions. And we thought that if there is a constant blockage of UN decisions at the Security Council in order to bring about peace, then the uh, General Assembly gains its United for Peace resolution, gains effective powers. But so far, we haven't seen it. And I think that so long as it is treated as a debating society, and so long as Israel can still treat it with utter contempt, then how can we hold Israel to account, and how can we stop this massacre, this carnage? Ronnie, can I move briefly away from Gaza? Do you think this has implications for Western influence? Um, Western diplomats have spent so much political capital over the last 18 months trying to get support for Ukraine, trying to get the global south to come on board with Ukraine. Have they expended a lot of that right now with what many will say is double standards? Oh, absolutely. Utter hypocrisy. They failed in relation to the Ukraine. The African countries refused to be browbeaten into the sanctions regime that the US and the EU were forcing down our throats. And with Palestine, this will be even more magnified because what the global South clearly see is that duplicity of the former colonial powers with the USA the imperialist power that wants to master and dominate the world, that this shines through, and it really affects the total view of people of the global south. And I can tell you in, in, in Africa, even where outside of the ceasefire issue, uh, on other aspects where African states are bullied into towing the US or the EU line, that it rankles. They see the hypocrisy, they see the racism, and in our streets, throughout the continent and throughout the global south, even in a place like India, you can see the millions are so outraged at this absolute slaughter 
that the USA and the EU states, those Western powers, are party to. They are criminals. And we must find a way to also ensure that they know where we stand and that we're not going to go along with their game. It's vital now. It's crucial. Malia, I want to bring you in on this and the whole idea of double standards and, and the West, because you have a unique perspective. Not only were you Pakistan's ambassador to the United Nations, you were also Pakistan's ambassador to the United States and you were ambassador, actually it's called High Commissioner, to, to the United Kingdom. So give us your perspective. I think it's long been known uh, that the West or the US-led West has practised double standards. Uh, they talk about human rights in... Uh, countries that they are opposed to, but they don't really show much concern for human rights. I mean, in my uh, neighborhood, my country's neighborhood, there is uh, the issue of occupied Kashmir, uh, which, like Palestine, is an occupied territory uh, and has also seen huge violations of human rights. But we've not heard uh, any sound or any comment uh, from Western countries about these uh, violations. So I think what this will do is to bring into much sharper relief the kind of double standards and hypocrisy uh, that many Western countries, I think it would be unfair to club all Western countries together. Some have stood uh, for Palestine, for example, Ireland. I think it's taken a very courageous uh, position. So I think one has to be a little careful. But I will say that what it does reinforce is the shift in global influence uh, from the US-led Western bloc of countries to the rest. So I think increasingly we will see in a much more multipolar setting uh, the fact that influence at the global level is not just the monopoly of a handful of countries that have tried to actually, to borrow uh, the word of my co-panelist, browbeat uh, others into falling in line. Well, countries no longer want to fall in line because they want to exercise their own sovereign right to say what they please and to act the way they please. And to act in the case of Palestine on the right side of history, on the side of justice and on the side of fairness. I think it's also worth remarking to you all that when we saw the debate in the General Assembly before the vote, uh, we actually were watching it. I was sitting in the studio in Al Jazeera watching it live and simultaneously, in a most remarkable split-screen moment, there was the onslaught going on in Gaza. In fact, uh, the US ambassador was speaking, giving her speech, and on Al Jazeera, in another screen, we could see really desperate images of explosions in Gaza. Colleagues, one-sided resolutions, whether they are put forward in the Security Council or the General Assembly, will not help to advance peace. Not when they ignore the facts on the ground. So there we have it, the U.S. ambassador speaking in the General Assembly, and at the very same moment, those pictures... Hanan, was that an act of... Israeli defiance? Is that how some in the General Assembly will see it? I wonder even what the US ambassador made of that going on while she was speaking. Well, look, I think it's not the first time that the uh, that Israel sort of uh, snubbed uh, the, the US or thumbed its nose at the US. Uh, all it wants from the US is its full blind support, unlimited funds, more weapons, and so on, even including the fact that they want the US to fight its war. On its behalf, so uh, I don't know whether it's con uh, it's uh, accidental or uh, on purpose or not, but I think it exposes uh, a certain hypocrisy. 
And uh, I would like to, to uh, go back to a point raised by uh, Malia that it's not all the West. Yes, it's not. It's mainly the West that was involved in colonial systems, particularly in the South and in our part of the world, that is now behaving with the remnants of the colonial mentality, the white man's burden, the fact that the victim is uh, invisible and that they have superior rights and they can uh, judge and they can uh, take positions pertaining to the rights of their own victims. So this is an ongoing pattern, frankly speaking, that started even with us, with the creation of the State of Israel on Palestinian land in 1947-48. And it continued with a dual track. Israel can do no wrong. Israel, of course, is a colonial outpost, and it has continued. Israel must never be held to account. It must be given preferential treatment. While the Palestinians are subhuman species that we can take, and we can be invisible, we can uh, take any kind of punitive measures, and that the process, the whole process of the eradication or ethnic cleansing of Palestine is something that the West has uh, embraced, so to speak. It's become a Western enterprise. And in that sense, I think we are not seeing the end of colonialism. On the contrary. And these are not remnants. This is a very active system of white supremacy, of colonialism, of a sense of entitlement and superiority. And this has been absorbed within Israel. And Israel is acting in a way that uh, certainly would endanger world peace and certainly would endanger all these systems that were created to have a rules-based order and a global rule of law and so on, because it, it stays outside it. And if you have uh, uh, international humanitarian law and the convention on all sorts of conventions and human rights and so on, then they must, they must have a way of making them effective. Otherwise, we will continue to be at the weak, at the mercy of the strong and the uh, North and the industrial countries and the white uh, supremacists uh, continuing to victimize the global South, whether economically or politically or morally even, and getting away with it because they have the instruments of power rather than the instruments of accountability and control and curbs. Ronnie, let me bring up what actually seems to have happened on the ground in Gaza uh, when we saw those explosions, those dramatic explosions that took place at the same time as ambassadors were meeting in New York, in addition to the water being cut, the electricity being cut, uh, no fuel coming in, very limited aid coming in. Now it seems that Gaza is going black to the world. Uh, the cell phone services, internet services have been cut. What do you make of this latest blow by Israel to the people of Gaza? Well, it's all part of the master plan. They want to cut Gaza out of the world entirely. They want to black it out. If I can just make a comment about the coincidence last night when the debate was taking place at the UN, I think that was absolutely deliberate. It's Israel and its ambassador at the UN spitting into the face of the world, showing that we are the masters and we don't care a fig about the rest of the world and we are going to destroy Palestine, we deal with Gaza, and we will cut Gaza out entirely. The surviving Palestinians can go and live in the desert, etc. 
So this is what their game is, totally. But I believe that the world voice, together with the Samud, the resistance of the Palestinian people, will prevent that happening. That's vital. That's the message we must all send out to the world following on last night's National Assembly vote. Maliha, um, the, some of the yeah. consequences of the internet and phones being cut off means that people cannot ring for ambulances. It means that UN agencies, aid agencies can't speak to their staff. They can't do their work. Journalists cannot report and get the news out. Uh, as a former ambassador to the UN, do you believe these are additional war crimes by Israel? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I think uh, Israel has been committing war crimes for <laughs> over 50 years, if not more. Uh, but what it is doing now, I think it has completely defied international opinion. It has defied all norms, norms of humanity. And what is going on uh, is the kind of bloodshed that I think in uh, modern history, we have not really witnessed uh, this before. Plus, I think we also uh, must look at the consequences for those countries that have been backing Israel, that have been going on and on, uh, not caring about uh, the people dying and the civilians who are dying in the thousands uh, in Gaza, but they've been going on and on about Israel's right to defend itself. Defend itself, this is defense, where you're taking the lives of innocent people. I think there will be consequences for these countries. They're already confronting a crisis of credibility, of humanity. Uh, and actually, I think their own people uh, certainly, uh, if you look at some of the demonstrations which are going on in cities in the United States itself, uh, you'll see that public opinion there also is watching with horror uh, and anguish uh, about how their own government is encouraging uh, a country that is carrying out ethnic cleansing by, by I mean, millions of people uh, are being affected by this. Hanan, can I bring you in on, on, on that point that Maliha has made about protest around the world? Because we've seen very, very large protests taking place all over the world. In fact, we saw one in Grand Central Station, very near the UN, which was um, Jewish people campaigning uh, to stop the war. Do you think these protests are going to have an effect, maybe even more of an effect, than a vote in the UN General Assembly? Certainly, uh, yes, Jim. certainly they will have an effect because the Jewish Voice for Peace and, uh, if not now, are two uh, organizations that have been active for some time, including others Jewish organizations that we have worked with for years. I remember before we used to call for a demonstration or a protest with 20, 30 people. Now you have thousands. They went into uh, the capital, into Congress, they occupied Congress. They went into Grand Central Station in the thousands, and they made a tremendous spectacle. And they gave the Palestinians an, an, a sense of enormous support that you are not alone, that the Jewish people of conscience are standing with you. This is very important, because Israel wants to claim that it stands for all Jews, speaks on behalf of all Jews, and so on, and that all Jews are Zionists, or all Jews share in its uh, genocidal policies, but that's not true. And they stood out and they stood on the side of justice. Now, that impact will not only be felt in Israel, but it is being felt clearly in the U.S. I mean, look at the public opinion polls. The ratings of Biden have gone down enormously as a result of 
uh, his blind support of Israel and his embrace of, of these war crimes and his entering into a partnership with these war crimes. And I think ultimately the International Criminal Court should look at these things, not just at the Israeli perpetrators, but at their partners and supporters and enablers. In the let West. me but let me bring in let me bring in Ronnie quickly. Ronnie, um, we don't have much time left, but people power. How important do you think it can be at this point? Well, just uh, recall what happened in the struggle against apartheid South Africa, rather similar. The South African government wanted to ignore all the resolutions, the United Nations and the protests around the world. It built up to an incredible torrent of people's power and in South Africa itself. And it, one cannot underestimate the power of international solidarity, the power in the streets, the power to pressurize governments like the US, like France, UK. We had the same opponents in our struggle against apartheid. And in the end, they were forced to buckle. So this is a very important weapon, a peaceful weapon, a highly active, militant weapon. And we'll do everything possible to mobilize the forces that are growing and growing. And we will succeed in the end. Palestine will live for sure. Thank you very much, Ronnie. Thank you to all our panel today, Hannah Nashwari, Ronnie Kasriels and Malia Lodi. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Victoria Gatenby, Abla Klar and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Ellie Alhani. The programme was edited by Venish Venila, Lynn Nguyen, Vanessa Connelly and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in on Sunday for our next episode. Coming up on The Take, almost all communication in Gaza has been cut off. With a ground invasion by Israel seemingly closer than ever, what do we know so far? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.